0: Hi guys, Bill Farrell here. Welcome to another episode of Rock Bottom to Recovery, episode 39. Our guest today is uh, RB2ROG. For those of you that aren't uh, familiar with that slang, he's an old gangster. Original. Uh, original gangster. Yes. Uh, you're getting old, too, though, right?
1: Old gangster, I'm an old too. gangster.
0: Yeah. You're an original gangster. I'm
1: an originally old gangster.
0: <laughs> 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 so, uh, Shane Johnson. And um, so, uh, Shane, uh, if you go back to our very first episode, in, in the picture board behind us, you'll see Shane popping up and myself. When we, we kicked off Rock Bottom to Recovery in the very beginning... Um, Shane was the brainchild behind this. It was Shane's idea. Shane came to me. As a matter of fact, Shane, why don't you just, uh, so people that are listening or watching the video. Yeah,
1: I, um, I had been interested in podcasts. Uh, I had a friend pushing for podcasts um, out of New York. He had a, a large following for his podcast, and we didn't have anything like that in Massachusetts, really, that was local, um, that we could do outreach with. Um so I reached out to Bill and I said, you know, I want to start some type of recovery podcast. Um, I guess the agenda behind it also was that I would have been going through a lot of legal troubles for um, things that I didn't do maliciously, but I got caught up in. I got caught up in a lot of stuff and uh, I wanted to kind of come clean with that. Uh, I had the, <laughs> I, it's crazy. I can't talk about too much. Uh, some of this stuff's still ongoing, but I, I, you know, from the Boston Herald to the FBI, uh... and anywhere in between um, things started getting very toxic and I, I was trying to find a platform to express that and to talk about issues, talk about addiction issues, overdose issues. I had just lost my best friend um, it, you know it was just like the culmination of a perfect storm and I had been dealing with true depression that I, I hadn't known about um... I finally got to address that as well and so I bring it up to Bill and, um... and Zach and, I mean, the show went on, and I had to step away uh, because I was just failing with my health, my mental health, uh, and then God, the show kept going on, and uh, I just, I'm super grateful to be sitting here as a guest uh, on a podcast that I started, but uh, to see it grow and to see it continue is just, uh, it's an absolute blessing. So
0: well, I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop because it was just, it was too good. The idea was too great, and we definitely had some chemistry yeah um uh, I think we worked good together uh but again uh you know I mean this is a perfect example of life and so um you know when uh we you you this is your third time back Mike um well since you kind of went on a hiatus yeah we had you back um which I I, I thought the uh Shane video was perfect for yeah. the return yeah anybody that doesn't um no we played a little clip from the movie Shane it's a nineteen fifty movie but you were named after that character
1: yeah
0: and so you you can scroll back in the um in the podcast old old
1: western yeah an
0: old western so uh but it was good because when you came back we were talking about mental health and 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 that's what this uh podcast is all about We're, we're trying to have um open discussion and respectfully sharing of ideas and inspirations about all forms of recovery uh from addiction and you know um addiction is a lifelong um
1: so it's Disease,
0: a little... um, and so is recovery. Recovery has to become your number one priority. So, uh, you know, for 2019, we're into our third year. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Uh, and we, you know, we find a nice little rhythm, and um, we've had a lot of uh, great speakers on. And you can listen to us on iTunes and Podbean, um, and you can watch the video on Facebook, which I think today live uh, from my page. So uh, if you're watching, um, like us, and you know, I can't see any comments. I'll try to look onto my uh, my iPad and see if I can see my page, but I'm not sure. But uh, So we'll try to get some stuff answered. But uh, Shane has a lot going on in his life, so we'd love to have him back and talk about those things. Um, you know, being an original gangster and slowly turning into an old gangster. Uh, but I even yeah, have some gray hair. Yeah, you have some gray hair. Yeah, I know
1: what that's all yeah. about. And, uh, and Salt and pepper.
0: <coughs> so in a... Um, so just briefly for this this particular podcast, just like in brief, just give us a quick um, how you got started in I, addiction. I, in addiction. For anybody um, new listeners that we have.
1: Well, I've, I've been going through this actually lately, uh, trying to talk about where it started or how it started and if addiction is a disease. And uh, I, was, I actually just um, went on my honeymoon. I went to Waikiki and then I went to Maui for 10 days. And uh, we met a uh, – they had like some psychologist um, – Convention at the hotel and uh, we met a psychologist. they were just talking and asking about addiction and if they knew addiction if, if they thought addiction was a disease And they said they don't You know to label it a disease is, is difficult, but it's the easiest way to Get things accomplished when you label it and that's how you work around it But what she talked about was like a reward system and that I never had you know I never as an addict you never have a healthy Relationship with alcohol or drugs or whatever you're addicted to so I, I Don't you know lately? You know I went through AA and I, I you know I'm totally grateful for AA but there were certain things that were missing from AA and I know what people are probably gonna. Oh, no, there's nothing missing But look you read that book you go through the the big book you go through the 12 steps what how that book was created where Bill W, Bill Wilson, and a hundred other addicts that had knowledge about a lot of stuff. You go to Bill Wilson's house, it's not a hundred big books. It's books on relationships, it's books on sex, it's books on multiple religions. So it's, it's knowledge and information from a lot of different areas. So if you're struggling in AA and people are telling you this is the only way, it's not the only way. What you have to do is you have to continuously explore your own recovery. And I don't really care if anyone's going to be, oh, I can't believe he said that or anything. Look, I went through the steps three times, and I was dealing with major, major depression issues that the steps were not getting to. I got into therapy, and I got onto an anti- a very low dose of antidepressant, and it was like, after six weeks, it was like a switch went off. I'm not going to say it's going to happen for everyone, but... It might happen if you're in that same pattern and stuck the same way I was how it started with me I I started smoked weed at 16 didn't touch a drug after that until I was 18 when my cousin picked me up to drink uh, she was like you're coming out drinking because she she I told her I just found my cousins after like 10 years of not seeing them she was like oh you've never been drunk And I said, no, I've never drank alcohol. And she's like, well, you're coming with me tonight, blah, blah, blah. So uh, we drank. I remember that that night, uh, all I wanted to know was what being drunk felt like. So I continuously drank Coors Light. It was nasty. I I could not stand the taste whatsoever. But I remember drinking eight beers passing out, and I don't remember what drinking was. But I do remember that it was the peer pressure that came behind it that made me want to go back out. I was like, man, maybe if I keep drinking, I'm going to kind of shed that nerdy feeling that I had within myself, and so I did. I kept drinking, and, and within less than a year, I was a morning drinker. Um, I remember walking in uh, after about three weeks of contemplating suicide. I walked into my cousin's house, who I was living with. I said, you're all alcoholic, and I'm leaving. I said, you guys are all alcoholics, and I'm leaving, and I left, and I, I really, like, I damaged that relationship permanently. Um, I I kept bouncing around from couch to friend to couch to friend, Um, drinking alcohol, stopped drinking alcohol, blackouts, and then eventually got into opiates. Six-year, seven-year run with opiates until I hit 27, and uh, at 27, just before I got sober, um, I I can rewind a little, Uh, three years before that I had a daughter, Uh, I was high, Uh, Well, no, I was actually going through withdrawals at her. At her mom was upstairs giving birth and I tried robbing her grandparents down in the car um, for because her grand her, her my daughter's grandfather had opiates in the car from surgery and uh, I tried to take them and the alarm went off I got caught and I remember him coming upstairs I'll never forget it because I'm sitting there I'm sick I'm like I'm caught and uh, he comes upstairs and he rattles his pocket I could hear the pills he never says a thing because He's trying to experience this birth of his granddaughter, and I'm just sick. And I remember having him cut the cord. I had him cut the umbilical cord because I was just like, if I cut that, I'm committed to it, and I don't want to have a kid right now. I, I remember calling my mom up the day my daughter was born. That day, I'm, I'm calling my mom up. I'm crying. She's like, oh, I'm so happy for you. She's crying because she's elated. I'm crying because I'm like, my life is over, but I'm lying to her. And, and it was this, I can remember it still. I'm like, she's not crying for the same reason. I can't, uh, pardon my language, but I'm like, I can't and stand her. I can't and stand my mom. I can't and stand my daughter. They're all trapping me. They all told me to stay here. I don't know why. And, um, uh, you know, my daughter's 11 now, and I have eight years in recovery. I know why, you know. <laughs> I definitely know why I'm supposed to be a dad, you know. I, I, and it's, it was the reason why I was supposed to be a dad, and I tell people this to this day, is because it was the only reason to ever get sober. And that might sound selfish, but I, did, I had no reason to get sober. I had absolutely no reason. I didn't care that much about anything or myself to get sober. I was very selfish, very pigheaded, and, and very addicted and lost. and And it was literally the only medication I knew to deal with what I was going, what was going on inside. Um, so yeah, that was, you know, I, I mean, I could go on forever. I'm I'm 35, and I had 10 years of addiction. But I, at the end, at the end of the day, like I, I picked up, and uh, I lost. I literally lost everything. I lost my daughter for three years until I got sober. And uh, I'll tell you this, if you're just getting sober and you, your daughter is three years old and you're just getting sober and you expect or you think you deserve to see a kid, I'll tell you right now, you don't. You have to earn it. You have to absolutely earn it. And, and I see it a lot now, people think they're entitled once they get sober. Once you get sober, like getting sober is easy. It's staying sober that requires the work. And you have to prove to people, you know, just because you have – you know, oh, I have, you know, 60 days clean. I deserve that. You don't deserve anything. You did nothing to deserve getting sober. I, I, you know, they say grace is God's unmerited gift, meaning you didn't deserve it, but you got it. And I honestly believe God saved me even though I didn't deserve it. I did nothing with heroin addiction that warranted, you know, saving. You know, so that, that's a grace. So when I got sober and I had this entitlement, I have to still look at it like I've done nothing to this point except get clean that has warranted seeing my daughter you know and and if people have issues with well my baby's mother's this or my baby's father's that and they're clean they're the ones doing the right thing by the kid you have no right saying anything like that you don't And, and i hear it a lot i see it all over facebook now like facebook is like like little italy where you have clotheslines going back and forth, and you can just picture the women <laughs> hanging their laundry out saying, Did you laundry. hear? Yeah, did you hear about Frank and his wife? You know, like that's how it goes mm. now, and it's all over Facebook. You know, I put a lot of sarcastic things on Facebook, but you're not gonna hear about, you know, some of the things that I even tried to talk about on the podcast on Facebook. You're just not gonna, I you can- know.
0: Well, you know, when you talk about other people saying, oh, you know, this and this and this, it seems to me, and I could be wrong, that um, when people are in recovery and they're trying to stay, they're still not in recovery. They're clean. They're sober. Um, There's still that drama in their life. Yeah, Uh, they feed off of it. They create it. They feed it. Like you said, they feed off of it. And, you know, sometimes it just seems like they want it because it's an excuse uh, to really maybe not do the work uh did you find yourself doing yeah thing? yeah you i know? mean
1: you know um so i wasn't going to swear but i guess i'll swear but no, no, you know when, right when, when you're first in <laughs> re- when you're first in recovery the the main thing that everyone i everyone clue to myself seeks is a relationship
0: you know you think
1: it's a relationship but you're looking for a relationship you're looking for someone that is going to validate you you're going to look for someone that's going to distract you from being uncomfortable and you're looking for lust, you know, you could say it's love or whatever, but, like, I didn't even know what love—I had an idea, you know. But love is not—everyone thinks it's like this romance novel. It's really not. Love is work. Love is aggravation. Love is tolerance. Love is patience. It's—love is is a— It's crazy. It's crazy, and it's (laughs) very misunderstood. So you're looking for lust, and if (coughs) you— The more honest you get with yourself, the more comfortable you'll be in yourself. So if, if you get sitting there like, oh, no, Shane's wrong. I was looking for love. All right. If you want to be dishonest with yourself, that's fine. How, did you, how did you get out of the drama? Was it like? Oh, I got dumped. <laughs> you know, I got, <laughs> got dumped, dumped. And then I finally <laughs> turned to my sponsor. And then, you know, I'd be like, you know, I'd turn to my sponsor, do work for six months, look at my sponsor and go, yeah. oh, I've got it from here. I'd get into another relationship. I'd dump or get dumped. Same thing. Come yeah. back to him crawling, you know, and it, it, if you can weather the storm, I don't suggest going down that path, but if you can weather the storm, you know, you might be lucky enough to find yourself a wife eventually like I did. I just got married October 20th, but congratulations! I, I <laughs> but <laughs> I had to crawl. You know, I had to go through some stuff. Um, and, but you're and learning. You're growing. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I'm learning. I'm growing. Uh And I'm no angel.
0: Uh, Well, nobody's an angel. We're learning. We're going. I was just having this conversation um, recently that, you know, um, I've often heard, and I probably did it myself, was like, she knew what she was getting when, you know. Mm. And if you're still saying that, like, 10 years or 15 years into the relationship, it's not healthy. You have to, you know, uh, I was just talking to a friend, and we were just saying, like, it's so much work. And in order for a relationship to work, you're gonna have to swallow your pride. You're gonna have to compromise. Um, And you know, if if when you learn to do those things, that gets the relationships tend to get better, or they should be getting better if it's working on both sides. But um, you know, it's you just kind of keep growing and and learning. And um, you know, and and don't they say in recovery like not to have a relationship for what? How how many? They say a year. And what's the reason no. behind it?
1: So Just you can to kind work on your head yeah, clear, so you can right? work on yourself. Yeah. yeah. Because when you're when you're new to recovery, like your your mind is not healthy. And you can put on a front all you want, but like you when it comes to mental health, period, you're dealing with you know, rewiring your brain. That yeah. the chemicals have done a, a, a enormous job of damaging your neural pathways are, you're trying to figure, your brain is trying to figure a a new neural pathway. So if you're saying, oh, I want to quit drug addiction and stay sober, and I also want a relationship, your brain is going to be working overtime trying to figure that out. And you're going to crisscross it. You're going to think that as long as I work on my relationship, I can stay sober. And like, that's, that is where everyone, including myself, get, we get twisted. Yeah. And if you're trying to date someone with, that's new in recovery, it's a pretty selfish move. Whether you think, oh, they just relapsed once. They, all, you know, they went out for a month. Look, before they ever pick up the chemical, the relapse happens. It's, it's a continuous downfall, a downslide, a backslide. Their brain is rewiring back to the old thinking. I know because I've been dealing with it myself, and it's like I have to step up and continuously sharpen those tools that help keep the edges off because you're it's quick to slip back into that old it's there it'll always it's be always there. there you're never yeah. going to kill that pathway you know that pathway is actually just waiting for you you're just like no i i have a new one so if you if you're new in recovery and you're trying to date it's not going to like it, i can't say it's not going to work right. but it, It's not always the best. It's not the best. And if you're trying to date someone new in recovery, it's a very selfish move. And when you come up with the excuse, oh, they relapsed once, whatever, understand that they were sick way before they picked up that drug. That drug was literally to medicate the problem. Right. And now here you step in saying, well, I'll save them. You're not going to save anyone. you You got to save yourself. Yeah, and what you're really trying to do is you're, you're... Basically saying I'm doing this for myself. I'm with this person, new in recovery, not for them, but for me. You, have, you know, so once again, you got to get honest.
0: Yeah, and you know, and relationships are just so, <laughs> so uh, tough. You have two people, um, two personalities, two characters, so it is difficult. And I think, you know, again, we're not saying that it can't happen. I'm sure it has. Yeah. People have been in relationships been and they've been able wrong to. A million times. Uh, right, and and that's fine. We're just saying like. You know, you just from experience, you know, concentrate on yourself maybe the first year. And in that pathway that Shane's talking about is is just um, you're on a new path and you got to begin to create those new habits, those good habits that are going to kind of keep you clean and sober. And then that relationship can come in later on down the road. So that's just amazing uh, that um, that you got married. Because yeah. I, I remember when we started this whole um, journey when I first met you and you just a, you were a total different guy then um, your thought process and stuff. So it's been always amazing to me to watch you grow and mature. I'm not saying you weren't mature back then. No, but
1: I, I I don't feel like I. It just I was. It just
0: it's it to me it's just it's, it's my it's wife cool. doesn't
1: think so though. Yeah, no, they she never. She reminded do. me a million times when we were in Maui. She's like, you don't act thirty five. I'm like, well, first off, we're in a tropical environment, yeah. and like I just wanted to be free, so. I'll- we were, we, when we were in Waikiki, and there's pictures, but she will never show anyone. <laughs> when Waikiki, we were 20 stories up, I came out on the balcony naked and just stayed there yeah. in the sun. You know, free. but Yeah, I was free. Free I was, all around. I was 20, uh, 30. I don't know how old again. <laughs> but it was just like, you know, but I, I don't always. Like, and that's just, uh, I'm not coming up with an excuse, but like, I, there was a huge gap in my life where I wasn't really evolving. And that was Jeremy my right. It was 10 years. So you remove those 10 years. And, and if people are like, oh, that's not true, it is true. Because it, I might have aged, but my emotional maturity um, was lacking. And it's right. still, it, in a lot of areas, my emotional maturity still lacks. It's hard to overcome that. But like therapy really helped. I had a major breakthrough um, in therapy. Uh, I actually need to get back into therapy. But. Um, and the only reason why I couldn't is because now I live like an hour and some change away from my therapist, uh, because we bought a house, uh, which is awesome. But, and that's, yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I, I was doing this thing called EMDR and I don't know what it stands for, but it's E M D R. And, um, I, it was just, it was incredible. Well, you know, I think healing.
0: I don't know if we when when you came back we talked about that because yeah because that particular episode and I don't know what it is you could scroll back in the um, in the uh, the podcast and you can uh, find it but we did we talked about mental health because at that point um, you realize that in your recovery you needed to start dealing with some yeah because uh, some issues I was
1: going through the steps and and every time I was coming up with issues that were repeating people like oh you missed something in these steps. And like, listen, like I, I couldn't, I, after a while with these steps, I was almost creating resentment so I could make it seem like it was full. Yeah. You know, like I was like, oh, let me, let me, let me do this. Let me do that. Let me use this resentment excuse. Let me do this. And it was like, and people were like, oh, you're not giving it to God enough. You're not doing this enough. You're yeah. not doing that. And it was like, no, like there was, there was, I'd wake up. So I was making 3260 an hour. Yeah. I had the best health insurance in the, in the country. It was it through mass laborers, yeah. dental, everything, thirty-two, sixty an hour, and I'd wake up and I wanted to cry, and I couldn't. I'm like, man, my job sucks. My job didn't suck. It, yeah, I worked a lot of hours, but I was also making a lot more money than most people were.
0: Yeah,
1: and I couldn't figure it out. And then,
0: so it wasn't the job. There was something else. There was something else broken, dead, and, and I the
1: steps and prayer and all this stuff, and I was like. I, you know, trying to become, like, terminator with it. I'm like, I'm going to go on the all these retreats, and I get this uplift. But then it was like those – it was more and more and more. And what I realized after talking, I went to therapy, and I was filling out this form. And I kind of just did it blindly because was, it was a lot of paperwork. And I'm like – so they're like, all right, you're going to take a quiz. I didn't read what the quiz was, and this is honest to God truth. I didn't read what the quiz was. But the quiz was asking you certain questions like um, – And it was asking, I can't remember the detail of the questions, but it said you can, you know, circle one to five, right? So I was answering sometimes twice on the same question. And then on the next page, it said, now add all this up. And I think I was at like a 21. And um, it said, all right, go back to the first page, go to the top. And what it was was a depression test. Yeah. And I didn't know I was taking a depression test. And I was actually moderately depressed, which is not the highest, which is not the lightest but it was right in the middle
0: yeah and
1: I had answered that test honestly and thoroughly because I I, you know I was just like all right like I want I want to make therapy count because I'm coming here and um, and that blew me away I was actually just I was like wow like that I cuz I I wasn't trying to skim through it or anything like that and then you know talking with my therapist we didn't get on medication right away we spent about five weeks of talking Mm -hmm. and she got to know me and I got to know her and that was when, you know, I brought it up and I, I had done research for months and months and months, called my mother, called this person, people with experience. And um, the best description I was given was um, my mother said, it's like blowing dust off of a coffee table. Yeah. It's not, you're not going to really tell a difference, but you will tell a difference. And uh, I, and it did. Yeah. You know, I and I'm so glad I looked that up. I'm so glad I searched out depression, searched out this because... I had just lost my best friend and people would say, oh, it's related to that, but I was dealing with issues before he passed away. Right. And then it just amplified everything. To everything, that that Every, I was having paranoia. My yeah. stress was so bad that I thought people were following me. And I, yeah. I couldn't, I, I would, it was just, I was, I was, my blood pressure had shot up for like six weeks from, uh, to 160 over 90. I'm going into the hospital, they're saying you're too young for high blood pressure. 160 over 90 is heart attack. Yeah, you know my and ears. That's stress. Will be, yeah, it's stress. It that's was the stress. dangers
0: of stress. Mm-hmm. You know, so so you did find that uh, the therapy was, therapist was awesome. It was excellent.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, you know, I would like to get back. Um, so well, uh, um,
0: obviously, I know you got married. You went on vacation. Did yep. um, did you just stop going or because no?
1: So um, where I was, I was living in Plymouth, yeah. and now I live. Uh, I live in a. I, up on 24 I don't want to kind of like give my hood, yeah. you know, privacy gotcha. but I live up on route 24 now <laughs> yeah. and that's like literally you're going like this like straight across and then I was working out in Chelmsford so I was like I was already $150 in debt because every time you miss an appointment and yeah. I, I couldn't do it anymore like I couldn't make it and uh work um and I don't use that in as, as an excuse but Chelmsford to Plymouth if anyone looks that up it's like two and a half hours yeah
0: no traffic. it's 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 So
1: now it's like I have to look for another therapist, and I'll tell you right now, like you might go through the same experience I did, where I went through like three or four therapists until I found the right Right. one. She actually, instead of jumping to "I'm gonna fix you," it was "What is going on?" and we Mm. spent five weeks on what is going on, and that was. And in therapy, it's difficult, not not always because you you don't have stuff to say. Sometimes you you're gonna go in there and say, ah, oh, you know, I'm definitely gonna talk about this Yeah, and you go in and and your, your psyche Automatically gets defensive. Yeah. and you circle the wagon. Yeah, and you walk around that elephant in the room. So um, Yeah, I'm gonna find another therapist, you know, um,
0: and, and, you know I will say like my own experience is you want to if you are looking for a therapist as part of your recovery Which uh, I will say like you were talking about the 12 steps and stuff and that's, that's great. I think that's great for, you know, some people. But part of this uh, podcast was that recovery is different from everybody. So Shane's different than the next person. And, you know, and, and therapy is a part of your recovery. Yeah, and and so it works for you. It doesn't mean the 12 steps wouldn't work for you. Um, or it doesn't work for you. That's not what we're saying. They, we're just hey, saying they worked like, for me to a point.
1: Yeah, And then I had to
0: And now you need to get stuck. to the next step. Yeah, I yeah, had to stay so to speak. stuck.
1: Yeah. yeah, because I, d- I didn't want to keep... <coughs> you know, everyone's like, oh, step, step, steps, And it was like... I felt like I was just spinning my tires. Yeah.
0: And, and um, so... If you're looking at the therapy, you need to find something close to where you live. Yeah, yeah, and because, that, it has to be because it has to be convenient. It has to
1: be convenient because you have to make the appointments.
0: And somewhere along the lines, the little voice in your head
1: well, oh, is yeah. going to
0: tell you, "Oh, you
1: don't need to go Yeah, today. when I was living in Plymouth, it was literally a three-minute walk. Yeah, from my house, so I had no excuse, and it was, it was awesome, you yeah. know. And and you know now that I live elsewhere, it's like I'm going to try to. Um, I'm gonna try to find other places. You know, I'm gonna try to find another therapist and uh, it might take some time, but um, I absolutely Implore it. Yeah, I think it's it was one of the best decisions I ever made for my recovery. Yeah, and for my wife she was um she was just she's like She couldn't do anything about what was going on and neither could I and it was adding to her life everyone has stress in life I was dumping and dumping and dumping and then avoiding her because I'm like, she can't fix this. Right. You know, and I remember, and, you know, she might say it's because she was watching her shows or whatever, but I remember just sitting on my recliner all the time until, like, 10 o'clock at night. Like, I get out of work, I take a shower, hop on my recliner, and she'd be watching TV in the room, and I just sit there in my on my recliner, I'm just, like, looking at the TV, and... Um, now I'll, I'll do that. I'll you know, we get our space, but then I go upstairs and like, we just hang out, you know, and like, I'm more comfortable. I'm able to talk more and, um, and you know, I, I can't thank my therapist enough and I can't thank, you know, life enough and God for helping me search out those extra things that I needed. You know, you're a perfect example of, you know, it works for some, but not for all because your pathway through recovery totally different from absolutely right but here we are with the same purpose (laughs) and and, you know and we technically do have the same amount of sobriety because we both woke up at whatever time (laughs) it's 24 hours in a day (laughs) yeah you know but he's just strung a couple 24 hours longer than i have together
0: yeah a couple of 20 i'm at i'm at uh 31? 31, yeah.
1: 31.
0: 32 in uh, September.
1: 31 and he's 26 years old. That's yeah. amazing. It's unbelievable, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? How yeah. does that happen? <laughs> so,
0: um, yeah, so the, obviously your relationship is, is much better than it was. And Do you feel like, um, you know, um, the therapy has kind of helped you to um, open up and trust?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, therapy's really helped with um, not... It's helped with my relationship with my daughter. Like more than anything else, like it it really has, like I I was struggling. That was the other thing, too, is the steps weren't helping, was that I was short with my daughter. Very short for like years, like after I got sober. And it was like I was emotionally, like she'd talk and I'd shut off, and I still sometimes do. But during that breakthrough with therapy, like that was certain things, and it had nothing to do with my daughter. It had everything to do with my childhood. Yeah, and it was it was it had everything to do with a certain age in my life uh-huh. that we went back to, and a certain moment and a certain right. element, and it, it was like, I remember feeling so calm after that therapy session. I was sobbing throughout the whole therapy session. Yeah, I went home. I passed out at seven o'clock at night. I called my boss at three in the morning and said, I'm not coming in. I wasn't upset. I just needed some time to like yeah. kind of, you know, breathe and um, and I've seen that change with my yeah. daughter like we talk more you know when i see myself losing it mm-hmm. i can hear i don't hear myself so like the the, the the ptsd aspect of it everyone talks about ptsd um but they don't really describe what their PTSD. my ptsd sometimes is when i'm yelling i don't hear myself i hear the people that abused me yeah and i don't hear i you know i i hear the abuser in my head almost as if i'm him and then I don't see the person I'm yelling at. I see my mother that went through the stuff that we went through together. Yeah. I see my myself. Um, so when I'm going through these PTSD moments, I'm hearing the guy that abused me, and I don't hear my daughter. I'm hearing my myself. Yeah. So now when I'm yelling, I hear myself and I hear my daughter. But it's more of a communication thing. Okay. You know, and like that is what, oh man. Like that was such a breakthrough because. I wasn't having out of body experiences. I'm yeah. having these moments with my daughter where she needs to be reprimanded, and and I'm not losing it. I'm actually able to reel it in right. and get that point across or get that lesson across without Which just totally trashing Angel. my daughter. Yeah. yeah, I'd never I've never hit my daughter, but verbal abuse is just as bad. I don't swear. Bad, I don't right. call her names, but it's the swearing. It's the I want to intimidate her, and but it, that's not me. That's that's yeah. that. I'm literally plugging into a moment in my life that happened to me, that trauma, and it's literally expressing itself through through my body. Out of, and and that's, I, you know, if someone can un- identify with that, it's hard to always explain that. But you're literally not yourself when you're doing right.
0: that. Right. Well, you know, I I read this book, and I'm. It takes me a while to
1: to finish books, but uh, and Dr. it has Seuss. to do
0: no no Dr. Seuss. Um, Um, near the end of that one, but I had started another book and, um, and it was on trauma and it was an amazing book to begin to understand trauma and how trauma affects you from the moment that like PTSD, how that affects you, how it affects the body, how it affects the mind. And basically the book is like, the trauma is different for everybody, the treatment is different for everybody. Um, And we have a habit of diagnosing it and then giving it a pill. And it doesn't work. Uh, maybe it does for some, but in order to go back and so to treat it, to address that moment,
1: because trauma um, is not curable, it's treatable.
0: It's treatable, right? And, and but
1: pill, they they hand the pills out as as a cure. Well, you know. And it, but you need to you need to treat it with with if you need medication, you need medication. Right. But you need to treat it through thera- through the process, process therapy things yeah. like that. And um I had actually read something too if a child receives if a child goes through trauma between the ages of 2 and 10 yeah what happens is they that is the period in their life where they develop emotional maturity right so if you stunt that growth they're going to lack that the older they get and uh, I I found that out and then I asked my therapist she said that's very true I said well you know kim you know is it possible to become emotionally mature she said absolutely but right. it takes work right you know and and i didn't know that and two to ten i i mean beyond ten yeah i was dealing with stuff too but two to ten was there was physical violence uh, you know yeah. I, i'm getting you know I, I i remember one time specifically where i came downstairs and um so we kept getting grounded a lot we kept getting grounded our version of Grounded was that my, my stepfather would strip everything out of our room, presents included. Well, like, and I say presents included because he did this on Christmas, stripped everything out of the room and we'd have a bare room and we'd have to sit there for like weeks wow. in our room. Except for eating, you're, you're in a bare room. So, like, when people talk about put, being, put in, um, being put in the box and. Yeah, the whole. Now I understand what I was going through, but yeah. at, at 10 years old, like, you're losing your mind. There's no yeah. stuffed animals on your bed, there's nothing. And it's just these walls, and um, so I I was going through that, um, and I remember one time specifically, my sister and I are upstairs playing, he calls us downstairs, and he said, if you guys act up, this is what's going to happen, and he turns us around, and he he starts wailing on my sister with with a wooden spoon, and then he sends her upstairs, and then he does it to me until the spoon breaks, and then sends me upstairs, and I remember like having that as a chip on my shoulder growing up right. and using that as an excuse when I drank heavy. But I didn't realize like how significant that was. Like we're getting beat for something that in the future. Yeah. You know, like if you guys, and it was like, I, I couldn't, you know, I, I wasn't able to process a lot of that stuff until like now, yeah. until like hitting 35 or in my 30s where I wanted to search. You know, I want, right. you know, sobriety got me into my thirties and then my thirties are getting me, they're going to get me into the rest of my life, you awesome. know? And, so, yeah.
0: So if you, if you're ever, uh, out there and, um, you know, you have trauma, which we all have trauma. I know the Farrell boys spent a lot of time in the corner. We were sent certain corners of the, uh, we had a ro- wooden ruler, but, uh, we, we deserved everything we got. <laughs> uh, but, uh, my mother used to, and my father used to make us, we'd have to stand in the corner and we yeah. couldn't look yeah i'm sure
1: (laughs) oh yeah you know but that you know then it's like you're doing it for you know stick them in the corner for 10 minutes if you have to yeah but where you're you're getting locked up in your your bedroom for weeks you know like that's harsh yeah and that but i didn't realize like that it was warping my mind because my mind was seeking Seeking things at at a young age that it shouldn't have been. You well, know? your but,
0: mind's still growing. Now, yeah. And so, you know, again, it, it's it's in a developmental a developmental stage, and these type of things are happening. So it could, begins to um, shape you, and um, you know, makes life a little bit harder. But you know, the good news is is that in your recovery, um, the 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 mental health side of it is working because you're working it and um you know if you're listening um, please
1: forgive this picture too this was just
0: which one that one
1: no not that one but i'm sorry i don't mean to cut you off but the <laughs> one before that i was early in sobriety and i thought i was going to be a bouncer at a club like that's that jerky. wasn't that wasn't out that's that my i
0: thought when i saw that picture that was a scene from greece
1: no no right? no no no, no. <laughs> That's my daughter, Sadie. Um, yeah. I love this, by the way. I, I really want to thank you guys for this. This was awesome. And that guy's handsome. Yeah, he so is. I'll, no, but... I, it was at our podcast? It was. That was at the podcast, yeah. yep. Yeah. Oh,
0: Senator Keenan.
1: Senator Keenan. Yep. And I, I was dressed like, I, I don't know, like half military, half like... Yeah, I'm I don't know sure. what,
0: what was going on there. I but don't either. It wasn't working in the <laughs> no. political. No, it wasn't.
1: <laughs> so... So, but yeah, that's, and that's the yeah. um, and Sadie Daddy-Daughter dance. I think
0: that's just like, those are the type of things I like to show because it's important that if you're people in their recovery, that you can't get a life back. And, and I'd say, you know, uh, my experience has been a lot of people are forgiving. It's just a human nature to, to forgive. So when people have, which they've done in their addiction, they've done crazy things, they've burnt uh, bridges, family members, because that's usually ends, who ends up suffering. When people get uh, clean and sober, that their families come back around. Um, But you just you kind of have to do the work.
1: But if they don't, don't use as an excuse. No, don't use it as an an excuse. Use it as as an excuse to create a new family. Yeah,
0: and we're out there. Yeah, Um, just waiting to help and be a part of your um, recovery. And so um, there was. um, Look at that. That's when we first started. Plus, yeah. my head is cut off yeah so that was in the old uh the old place we've really grown we're in a new location as everybody already knows so um but uh self-care well wait hey, you know what i want to kind of go over some statistics um real quick so um i was just i think my wife posted this one it's the states with the most overdose deaths have you seen that no from 2016 so for every 100,000, um, West Virginia was number one. They have 52 deaths. Uh, Ohio was number two with 39.1. I don't understand what the point one is. So, But um, New Hampshire is number three in the country for the most overdose deaths. And uh, Pennsylvania is number four. Um, well, New Hampshire has 39 per 100,000. Pennsylvania has 37.9. Kentucky has 33.5. Maryland has 33.2. And Massachusetts, which is number seven in the country for the highest overdose deaths, has 33. Yeah, and, and there's, there's
1: also a huge misconception where people are ringing the bell as like they're turning the tide on the opioid addiction. That, that's, not, that's not the case. No. What, what's happening right now is there's an increase in crystal meth use. You know and there might be a decrease in fentanyl use but there's an increase in crystal meth use it's just substituting one for another well it's going to be when they will you see the turn of the tide is when they put clean heroin uh use facilities like they have in canada and portugal yeah that's when you're going to see it portugal's number four problem in the entire country was intravenous heroin use and overdose yeah now it's number 21.
0: Is that because Country, they...
1: Because you're removing the chance for these dealers to bring in fentanyl. Yeah. You know, and, and that, you know, there's a whole narrative behind prescription drugs are killing everyone. No, they're not. Hey, what's killing everyone is fentanyl. Fentanyl that's coming from Mexico. Which
0: is now Which, taken, yeah. taken up.
1: And look, like I'm not, I don't want to get too political, but um, sanctuary cities are a haven for, for these places. Mm-hmm. If you look at pretty much every sanctuary city in mass. It has the highest number of drug arrests right. for a reason because right. the wrong people use those cities. Right. And, and you talk to detectives, you talk to people on the police, they're seeing this fentanyl and they're seeing these dealers come from Mexico. It's starting Mexico up to Chicago, Chicago to Massachusetts, and then it's Lawrence to New Hampshire, and right. it's all these connections. And, you know, it's not, you know, people want to s- try to slam it, but that's, that's the truth. You know, fentanyl is what's killing people, and and cocaine. My um, cocaine's year, on the rise. Cocaine's on the rise because and people. It's on are the afraid. rise in the schools. Yeah, which but is scary. now it, now they're lacing the coke. My best, one of my best friends. So my two best friends passed away a year apart from each other, and. Um, they were on they our got, board, you know. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. got they got, the the, they got the uh, autopsy report back. Yeah. And um, uh, Dave had passed away from cocaine laced with fentanyl right so it you know if you people like oh you know that's just something i see when i'm it's clickbait no it's the truth you know my my best friend passing away is not clickbait that's the truth and he passed away from that exact drug right you know and crystal meth is on it and people like oh we're seeing a surge in it you're seeing a surge in it because there's a demand for it because people are afraid to die from fentanyl
0: right
1: and these dealers know that the deal you know that the 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 Fentanyl is, you know, people like, oh, it's coming from these farm. Like, trust me, there's not an MD with, you know, 10 kilos of fentanyl sitting no, in his closet. Are. That's Dave and Wayne, and they're, they're one of my best friends. And, and solid Wayne, guys, too. Yeah, absolutely amazing people, and they yeah. died a year apart from each other. Yeah. And, uh, but trust me, there's not pharmacy companies with 10 kilos of fentanyl. That's not... No, no they might, you know... <coughs> That's not happening. It's it's man-made fentanyl. It's like acetate fentanyl, and it is. It's coming from China. It's coming from Mexico, and that's not. Yeah, a and that's shame. a whole
0: another like. That's a whole another podcast uh, way that's, yeah. that's coming in. But the 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 point is, not only is it coming in, but it's here.
1: It's here, and it's... they're
0: going after our youth, and um and and I know like in the schools, like obviously marijuana. Everybody knows. I'm I mean not for. The legalization of recreational marijuana, I think, from a youth point of view, it's just another stepping stone into addiction. And again, not to get into an argument, to go back and forth with anybody about it, but addiction begins with cigarettes. That's how it begins. Like we we're saying, the reward pathway, the development of the yeah, brain. Yeah, the, the
1: the vaping and the, the
0: vaping, which is off the charts
1: now. But I mean, back then, when I was in high school, kids would sneak around, like at lunchtime, smoking cigarettes, and I never realized why. I'm like, oh, that's. But I didn't realize that nicotine got you high. Right. And there was a reward system with that that you would chase back. And a lot of those kids that I saw smoking in high school. Or well, the same ones that I, I was doing drugs with later. Or, right. you know, I'd see them go down these paths or they're dead. Right. You know, it does. It starts early. It's now, now vaping, you know, they have, it's so hard to detect um, marijuana in a vape because they have scentless vape. Right, right. So it's like, you know, now now is an even bigger challenge. And now I think Marlboro, the, the makers of Marlboro cigarettes just bought a massive vape company. Yeah they they're going back on exactly what they said they weren't going to the vape company actually lied and said they weren't going to um, they said they weren't going to advertise to kids now right. they they just sold themselves to the biggest advertiser of youth you know cigarette smoke right. which is Marlboro you know so yeah. it's they don't care no they don't as they, a matter
0: of fact so the, the, the last podcast that we had on um, uh, high school kids actually from this school who are involved in tobacco legislation uh, and really just a a good group of kids doing the work, getting out in the community, uh, and they were tackling the tobacco issue. And it it was amazing because uh, they belong to the group called 84, and 84% of the youth don't smoke cigarettes anymore. She actually said, um, one of the the girls, Sarah, said it's actually up to 92. And this is how genius the tobacco companies are, because they went back, they regrouped, they came out with the flavored um, yeah. oils for yeah. the vapes, and now all the kids are doing those. Yeah, And it's like, again, it's like, and again, like somebody, yeah. I used to smoke. But,
1: but I'm not going to, and the other thing, too, is you get into an argument with a smoker that says vaping's not smoking. Right. It looks like smoke coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Like a, a duck recognizes a duck. You know, and, the, and half these smokers now are sucking on more, there's more, v- like, of whatever, they say it's, you know, they say it's, um, you know, oh, it's water vapor. Look, when I breathe, you can't see my breath. Yeah. When you vape, you can see it. So there's obviously something there's that's something not supposed the, to go in there. And they're, they're smoking. These clouds are nine times bigger than a cigarette could give you.
0: And, I'm, hey, listen, we're not knocking smokers. I smoked, and then I quit. Um uh, if you smoke and that's all you do, I, that's great. It's your body, do whatever you want. Uh, I, I, I mean, from my point of view, I'm just looking at the youth and, and trying to kind of educate and bring awareness to the opiates. It's like, oh man, now we're gonna have to deal with the marijuana on top of this. And we haven't even gotten a hold of the whole opiate thing. But again, education and awareness is, is what we wanna do. So people can make their own choices, whether you agree or not. Again, it doesn't hurt to get some information, and then make your own decisions. I and say so, on
1: the next ballot, they should put up uh, clean injection sites. Start looking that up. You know, any senator that might see this or listen to this, a clean injection site. Look up Portugal. Look up Canada. It addresses it in the cleanest way possible. And,
0: and uh, um, so we had Anisa Asabi-George on uh, Boston City Councilor. And, uh, and that's why I had her on. She actually wasn't for the clean injection sites, but you could go back in the podcast and you could listen to what uh, her reasons were. And, and you know, again, um, she wants to help people. She just felt, um, and I don't know if she still feels that way, but she just felt at that time that wasn't the best way to go. Mm-hmm. She, they'd rather see more money go into the recovery side of it and again you know uh, we're just moving forward and we're trying to do the best that we can yeah but
1: it's a, at the same time how many sober houses can you have yeah you know, like you can't
0: well recovery is big money you know it,
1: but it, it's big money but it's it's also it's also uh these places are designed these treatment centers are designed to make you want to come back yeah you know like whether you see it or not and a lot of these kids i don't care what state it is <coughs> A lot of these kids use that insurance as like an Amex black card. Yeah. And they have the power in that place. Whether people think so or not, you know, in jail, like you're, you're babysitting someone in their own home. Yeah. These kids, you're babysitting them in their own home because without their insurance and without their, that leverage, they under, these kids are smart. They understand that leverage. Right. Your doors don't stay open without that money. Right. You're you know, you're not flying around in a helicopter without that. So money. so
0: they basically work it to their
1: Yeah. They do what they did yeah. on the streets. Yeah. They they manipulate they just do it. Yeah. yeah, they do it and I'm not saying it doesn't always work, but the percentage of people staying sober uh, through AA or or treatment centers is a lot lower than what's reported. You know, yeah. I think it's like six percent. And great, like I'm so happy that those six percent are staying sober and, and yeah. but we'd kind of want to turn the tide on that as well
0: well they, when we started right then we want to we wanted a, uh one of the things that we wanted to do when we started the podcast was uh, tackle addiction before it happened right why like and i remember you saying this why are we you know which again we have to focus on it but we're we're getting it at the tail end when we should really be trying to tackle it in the beginning. Yeah. And and that's through early, education.
1: Yeah, early intervention.
0: Right. Which, to, you know, my experience is it's been so difficult to do, and I don't know why. Um, we're going to be wrapping this up, but before we do, uh, I pulled this off because I saw an article on uh, Massachusetts, uh, our Attorney General um, Mara Healy, um, and um, she's actually going after Big Farm. And she's suing it, but she's targeting, uh, Purdue. And she's she literally going after the, um, the family, the slacker family. And, um, if I could pull up, um, the picture, uh, Jen can, oh, there it is. So this is the, uh, just so this is the Oxycontin, um, uh, mugs that they were given out, um, as promotional. Um, so it was an Oxycontin mug. I don't know if Jenna, if you can go back to that, um, it says that's the oxycontin mug. It says it's the a, one,
1: the one to start with, the one to stay with.
0: The the one to start with, the one to stay with, and the reps were going out to the doctor's office and they were, um, they were promoting this. They were promoting it, and so um, Mara Healy is going after the family and is trying to get the pay, their, their emails and all those things kind of like they, what they almost seems like what they did with big tobacco is they got inside and, and got a hold of the documents to prove that um, um, that they knew exactly what they were doing and so I, I couldn't download this one so, but I took the picture and um, I just want to kind of read it this was an, uh, I think it was an internal document. Um, and, um, and this was the launch party uh, for OxyContin. And uh, it says here, um, the gentleman that spoke, uh, Richard Sackler, who was a senior vice president responsible for sales, he asked the audience to imagine a series of natural disasters, an earthquake, a volcanic eruption, a hurricane, and a blizzard. And he said, the launch of OxyContin tablets will be followed by a blizzard of prescriptions that will bury the competition the prescription blizzard will be so deep dense and white and over the next 20 years the Sacklers made rich's boast come true so this was just this was part of the article that I had I, I pulled up and um, you know and and it, 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 they created a man-made disaster and so Mar Haley is really going after that family and and I know the last court date they sided with her so i just think i just wanted to mention that because um it's nice to see somebody up above a little bit yeah holding the people responsible and my hope would be that you know if we can get some of that money back like they did with the tobacco industry yeah um take that money and put it back into the recovery because it's so needed and um we just don't have the resources available. But, uh, so I just wanted to mention that because it's just sometimes it gets daunting and you get tired in the fight and you're like, are we even making progress? But yeah. I know we are, and I always know we are, and that's why I always continue to move forward. But it's just nice to know that at least somebody, at least in our state, and I know other states are suing too, uh, they're out there doing some work, and hopefully that will come back and, and help us in the fight. Uh, before we go... Uh, I just want to talk about self care. How are you doing self care? What are you maintaining your your self care? Because we know I relapse got, is very well, big. And
1: before I left for Maui, I got my eyebrows threaded, and, um, they, and how it did hurt. Those... It hurt, but it the self no self care. <laughs> so I, I could do more. Um, I could do more, but uh, you know, I I know. I, you know, yeah. and I, I don't care, people say, oh, you don't, know." I know, I'm i am aware of certain things and yeah. I, I know when I need to step up, I know when I, you know, coming here also was kind of therapeutic for me because I could have done, like, sat on my couch and done nothing. Right. You know, but, like, coming out here, fellowshipping. Right. Uh, being around, like, and and I think the thing I do a lot now is, like, I call people. Mm-hmm. I call a lot of people, I bounce things off people, and I have, like, intelligent conversations. Right. You know, um, where, you know, the the Gillette ad that just came out, you know, and...
0: I didn't see that. Uh, what was the Gillette ad? The what Gillette
1: was... ad was about toxic masculinity, and at first I was I was pissed off, but then I realized why, and it was because it made me uncomfortable and made me think. Yeah. And uh, what I realized is that uh, there is probably 101 million forms of sexual harassment and sexual assault and things like that, <coughs> and I'm actually grateful for the ad because... If my daughter's going through something like that and doesn't yeah. want to tell me and she doesn't know what she's going through and then she sees one of these ads and she's like, a light goes off and it's like, I'm, this is what's happening to me. Right. Um, she can address it, you know, and she yeah. can maybe bring it up. And so there's a lot of good stuff going on, um, but it's like how you look at it is going to be how you react to it, you know, and, and um, so self-care is good. I'm, I'm reading more. Um, I actually got Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s book on concussions and you know things like that. Which Did you is, get a
0: lot of concussions?
1: No, but i was just I think my head's messed up <laughs> anyway. So, but I you know I was just talking to someone the other day about um, maybe going back to. I haven't been to a AA meeting in like six months, yeah. and uh, it was a, I replaced it with therapy and other things in my life, and and um, but it, you know I I think I do want to go back to it. And, you know, but I just have to find what's right for me. I went through a lot of traumatic things in AA. Even though people try to label it as perfect, it's yeah. very imperfect. With a lot of sick people that don't really mean well. Um, but they, some of those guys, I, I swear, like train their entire life to, like, to, to manipulate. And they find AA as a platform because people are vulnerable. They're not weak. People in AA are not weak. They're vulnerable yeah. for help and they're vulnerable... For for love and and faith and they're just vulnerable. That doesn't make you weak, you know. It it's a predator that will prey on it, right? And turn it into your weakness.
0: And I think that's just that's that's human nature. Uh anywhere yeah. you go, you're gonna find those people. Uh, there's a lot of um, you know um, incredible people. Like my uncle came on. He's he's always been AA. His experience have certainly helped me. My father, same thing. Um, have helped me in my recovery. Um, and so, again, if, if AA is not your thing, let's find out what it is. You know, one of the great things about this podcast is we've had on so many different people. At, and 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 back in the day, you know, it was like AA and NA. And you went to your meetings, and that's what you did. That was it. And that's that's no longer it, man. Yeah. Like, we've had uh, the Bulldogs Running Club came on. The yeah. um, uh, uh, so so many different uh uh working out with mean, uh, the Phoenix Recovery in Boston is a gym for people in recovery there's just so many different things that you can do now
1: speaking of working out have you ever told anyone how I worked you out when we went to the gym and box that day
0: uh no i was too embarrassed yeah no. you know Bill, bill's and then he,
1: Bill, bill's good and then he, <laughs> and then you came
0: back with your eyebrows yeah you yeah I did, I did so I did. i'm jealous there too cuz as you can see i don't Go really see, have a uh,
1: lot of <laughs> eyebrows <laughs> Well, so. then get the beard threaded.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the beard's coming off soon, but yeah. Uh, well, Shane, thanks for uh, having you back on. And anytime you want to come in and um, sit in and, and on one of the shows, you're always more than welcome. Because would this wouldn't to. be possible if it wasn't for you. And um, you know, you just have so much wisdom and so much knowledge to share. You've been there, you've done that, um, and I just think it's a huge plus for people to get to hear where you're at, what you're doing, to understand that recovery is just ongoing, will always be ongoing. You know, we're going to take a couple steps back, but we're going to continue to move forward. So I really do appreciate you coming on, brother. Thank you. And I just Thank love you. the fact that you're married now, you have a house. I mean, when we first started this, we were just thrilled when Shane showed up and he had a job. Do you remember <laughs> yeah. that? Yes. You were dirty. Had a normal job. You were tired. Yeah, so now
1: I'm, uh, I think uh, I'm two years into plumbing now.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, so if anyone needs a kitchen sink down or water heater or things like that,: Yeah,
0: Call, me. <laughs> call Shane. <laughs> um, and see and I was driving when I was driving around today and I was thinking about today's podcast, and I was thinking about you, and I often think about you, and I always you know, when I don't hear from you for a while, and I know you're doing good and stuff, and so, but I just thought, I wonder if Shane um, could imagine himself back when you were using to even like, to be married, to have a house and to have a daughter. How's that feel? Like that was, a that's, solid relationship well, that, with that's, your daughter. Incre-
1: that's incredible. Yeah. Like, to be, to even be here period is is incredible. And I remember like walking in my, I, I was, um, I hiked a volcano, it's called Diamond Head in Waikiki. Yeah. And, um, and I remember I, I kept hearing Wayne, Wayne passed away, but I kept hearing, I remember him, me and him hiking the White Mountains one time. And I kept hearing Wayne's voice when I was doing Diamond Head. And as we're wa- hiking the White Mountains and our friends in the car, so we're like three hours in and we didn't tell him we were gonna do it. Yeah. Sticking him in the car and Wayne kept saying, Let's just keep going. He's like, Let's keep going. He's like he's like, We're not supposed to be here. He's like, We've made every mistake in life. When and I could hear him as I'm doing Diamond Head. Diamond Head is brutal. Yeah. I don't care. Like that the stairs were like this and like it was just but it was gorgeous. When you get to the top, you see everything in hawaii and it yeah. was just and you got to understand you're at the top of a volcano so to go from sleeping in the back of a car in the charlestown yeah. projects full strung you know f- you know full-blown heroin use to hiking in a volcano in waikiki yeah. like that that's a huge yeah. gap and like the fact is it's like i have a good relationship like i have a i have a project I have to work on with my daughter uh this weekend like I get to play with clay you know so it's like I you know that that's awesome and to even just go the last couple of years from being this crabby daddy to a communicating father with my daughter yeah I I didn't imagine I was going to be there I thought I was stuck because I'm like I can't stop being so negative I can't stop you know this and so yeah, so, we'll see what good. happens in eight years. You know, yeah. like another eight years, and uh, you that's know, awesome. I'll be full, I'll be everyone's full-time plumber. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: uh, Shane, thank you for coming on. And uh, so, our next podcast will be uh, January twenty-fourth on Thursday, and we're going to have Stephen D. Daniels and Stephen's uh, out of Baltimore, and reached out to me, uh, messaged me through the Rock Bottom to Recovery uh, message board. So if you have a story or something that you'd like to share, message me and I'll get back to you. But um, Steve's coming on and he's going to talk about porn, gambling, illicit relationships and depression. Um, and, and Steve, also addiction. As you know, for, we go from one addiction to another. So, uh, so we're looking forward to that. And I would just I would end this uh, in the voice of Wayne. Um, y- you know, you're not supposed to be here and just keep going so you are not supposed to be here in your in your addiction and you know what keep going keep going don't stop even when you're tired take a rest get back up keep going keep going the view at the
1: top of diamond head is worth it yeah so get there
0: and the view will be worth it yeah you know you got to do the work but you know there's plenty of resources around for you uh one of the resources that we have is the Holbrook cares uh, coalition which is I'm a part of and we meet the first Tuesday of every month at 7pm up at the town hall it's an opportunity to meet uh, people um, who um, want to provide education awareness and resources so go to the Harbor Cares page, go to the Rock Bottom to Recovery page um, we're here and we're willing to help And uh, with that said I'm going to actually p- promote my little uh, comedy show, show which is tomorrow night, Friday um january 18th i will be in braintree at the sons of italy hall and i'm bringing lenny clark Aaron McGuire, and ej murphy so if you're in recovery and you're looking for something to do you can certainly come out uh, it's,
1: they're great shows and, and, uh, i was yeah. blown away when i went so and,
0: and have some laughter so um I'll that's awesome on facebook yeah and yeah. uh that's it thank you guys for uh listening to our uh podcast rock bottom to recovery we're on itunes podbean we have a facebook so uh page so like it go on look at our past episodes and give us some feedback and uh be safe have a good day